and welcome to another episode of my podcast, Drained. Today we'll be talking about blackness and um, the realization of moving from your home country in Africa and coming to the US and essentially noticing that you're black. The title of this podcast today is Wow, You're Black with an exclamation mark and a question mark because it's the duality of questioning um, what it means to be black, but also accepting that blackness and being proud, taking pride in it. My guest today is a special person, Shannon, and we'll be discussing, you know, exactly what I said in the intro. <laughs> but, you know, welcome, Shannon, and give us an introduction of yourself. Hi, guys. Um, thank you, Hadley, for having me in your channel. Channel. Uh, Pod- a podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Same, same difference. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me in your podcast. Uh, I'm Shannon. I'm a senior at Villanova University, and I grew up in Nairobi, Kenya. And essentially, I came to the U.S. for my studies. So I've been here for uh, three plus years, and uh, I knew Hanley in high school. Yeah, and we were friends in high school. So. Yeah, first friends. We yeah. on the first day of high school. Yes, so shout out Kenya High. Shout out Kenya High, <laughs> Yali and Susa. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so Shannon, I want to draw your attention or like, you know, kind of bring up a past memory of when I had come to the US. So Shannon is a senior, like she said, and <clears throat> I just graduated from college. So we're one year apart. And um, I remember when I came back to Nairobi and I we had this conversation at a coffee shop and I told you, you know, like I was ranting about blackness, like, oh my God, there's so much suffering. If you're black, there's all this, there's all that, there's so much mistreatment. <clears throat> and I remember your reaction was like, what? What is all this? What do you mean you're black? You know, all of that. So if you can speak to that experience and how that changed when you came to the US. Yeah, I remember that experience uh, really well. Because we met up and you were ranting and <laughs> ranting, which is so Hanley like, very typical of Hanley, but this was on another level. And she would talk about the challenges she experienced as a black person in the US, about racism. And from like when you're in Africa or when you're in, when I was in Nairobi, I, if someone would ask me, do you think there's racism in the U.S.? I'd be like, no, that was a thing of the past. Good. Everything is all good. and Slavery ended. Slavery ended and uh, Obama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so things are good. So I didn't understand why this was such an issue for you until I came. And then I like immediately got it. And I became the one who started ranting. And yeah. uh, you can't... You, you don't really understand the political reality of being black in the U.S. until you're here. Because yeah. when you're at home, being black is... When you're at home in, a, like in our, uh, our countries. Yeah, countries, African countries, where you're, the population is major, majority black, you don't... There's no... There's nothing special about being black. It's yeah. just as meaningless as as the sky being blue because if everyone is black then there's no there's no um there's nothing attached to being black yeah 
That's yeah. true. As it is attached in the U.S. Yeah. So you can only see it once you go to a country like the U.S., which is racialized, or any other racialized country. Um, racialized in terms of having different races and race being a, 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 an issue or an identity marker. Yeah. Yeah. I think just to go back on that, it's like, yeah, it's so meaningless because when someone says to me, Ali, you're black, it's a comment on my skin tone and my skin complexion and not my race. Because as far as I'm concerned, at least at that point, my race was African. You know, that's what I was. Um, yeah. So Shannon, I want to go to straight to, you know, coming to the US and, you know, you've that having that label placed on you when you have to tick check boxes that ask if you're black or you know whatever race it is and now you have to identify self-identify as black and you know that in and of itself maybe was confusing but the problem or for me at least uh, the problem stemmed from the issue for me stemmed from like the the negative associations that came with what it meant to tick that box like ticking that I was black um, can you comment on some of the negative stereotypes that were associated with your black with the black your blackness or your black skin mm -hmm. color yeah. yeah um there's so many assumptions and i didn't really understand them all until you start questioning your interactions with people and you what you try to understand why is this person so standoffish yeah when they're talking to me and when they're talking to someone else they're so like jolly and happy and but with me it's something some tension like it's tension that you can yeah you can feel cut, like you can slice cut, yeah, the knife slice or the knife. And you're like what is what's the coffee here yeah. um yeah so just assumptions that i or 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 negative stereotypes that i experienced when i was here um i just small things that really feel like are not such a major thing but they registered in my mind and i used to question i feel like every interaction if you're black yeah. every interaction you have to like gauge was this uh is this was this interaction like weird yeah. because the person is weird or it's because i'm black yeah every yeah, you always have true. to have you always, always have to have that question in the back of your mind which is like really taxing on your men on your mental health and uh, small so I go to a predominantly white institution and most of the times that either be one of maybe two or three other people of color or just a, a lot of my classes I've only been the only black um, person in that class or black female yeah and small things like finding a place to sit sit and striking a conversation with someone i would always feel like i had that uh i always i noticed that i was the one who initiated most of the conversations that have in a new classroom where maybe especially like freshman year when everyone is new and trying to like get to know each other there's always i felt like people are turning their backs against me like literally yeah. i could feel you know everyone was talking to someone else in their side or like next to them but like the person who was next to me would either be like on their phone or until i initiate the conversation and like hi like, yeah. I, I'm, blah, blah. um so i guess with that assumption that 
uh, because I'm black, maybe I don't want to interact with you or um, I'm standoffish or I have an attitude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. things like that or I didn't want to participate in a class as much as you guys are participating but I invested in my education and I want to I'm as I, I'm, I will be as active as any other person in this classroom and yeah. it shouldn't come as a surprise that I'm answering questions in class or that's true um, or you know stuff or I know yeah, stuff is that assumption like I know one of the conversations we have a lot or I had a lot when I was in college was the fact that it was just the hardest thing to get a partner, yeah. for a lab partner, you know, if we're taking science classes or even if you were just doing a, a class project that required, you know, one or mo one more member, like team, a team. Mm -hmm. And it was always hard to, you know, join a team or find partners because there's this assumption that you can't do the work or you're not smart enough or, you know, they want to be with someone who's, smarter than you know that kind of thing and that definitely takes a toll on you especially when you know you know you st I, I think you, you start to internalize it because you start to internalize it and you start to ask yourself ask yourself like wow if this is like the dominant perception of me is there some truth to it mm -hmm. you know it's one of these i think it's called confirmation bias or something um, where because you've had this one stereotype about you or you know whatever series of stereotypes about you constantly your everyday effort is to ensure that you do not um, confirm that stereotype or you, you know you don't fall into that you know basically yeah you just you don't behave in the way that the stereotypes suggest that you would and because of that anxiety and fear you actually end up behaving in the way that people mm -hmm. think that you behave because you're black and you know that's how it feels it's like you go to class and you're thinking in your mind oh my goodness these people think i am not smart enough and all of a sudden that's all you're thinking about and you're not answering questions or you're doubting you're doubting the answers that you have you're doubting your thoughts you're doubting your intelligence mm -hmm. and that really is is hard for you yeah. coming into a space where you're one of very few people that looks like you mm. yeah, yeah i have like two like classroom incidents that three that attest to what you're talking about yeah um i remember my freshman year we had i had a class called ancient i think it was a very ancient, ancient. we're talking we were talking about like the ancient philosophers blah 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 mm -hmm. um but it was a conversational class so you go read and then come and talk about your points and i from high school and throughout like my whole education prior to coming to the US, I was so used to lecture style uh, education setup. So yeah. like classroom discussions were a thing, but it's not something that would take up the whole, like that was not the whole basis of a class, just yeah. discussions. So I remember like, I would be so nervous to like bring out a point about something I'd read because first I was very self-conscious about my accent. And then also growing up bilingual, I'm used to switching. I'm used to switching in and out of English, so having to just speak English, at all like throughout yeah. and express myself, when I'm so used to switching into different languages and different like um, ways of expressing myself, now I was just stuck with this one very bland language for me. I'm like, yeah. I find myself more expressive and I'm 
using um, my other languages that I know. So I would be really nervous and I they could have like me, like my heart to start racing before I'm putting up a point. And then, cause I'm thinking about how stressed I am. I can't even articulate what was in my head in the first place. And then I'm like, oh no, they think I'm dumb. And uh, it was so stressful, yeah. but uh, that's something that I faced. And then also talking about uh, working with partners in groups. I also had a really uh, uh, negative experience with uh, a bio lab partner that I was assigned to who um, happened to be white and male. And he was very condescending because he, first of all, I even forgot, like he had taken this class before or he had taken another class. So he was used to the bio lab setups. But I wasn't used to equipment because the equipment we have back at home and the ones here is that different. So yeah. I was slow to it, but it's not like I didn't know the material because I'm a A star <laughs> bio student. You know, bio is my bio is my subject. So um, I knew I was really good at this subject, and he was just very condescending. He like grab all the equipment and say that he'll do the experiment all by himself because it's faster and I could just write the lab results and I wasn't having it I was like I it's not that I'm dumb it's just that I have never used this equipment before so of course I'll be slower yeah and you have to go at my pace stop being so such a brat and so arrogant and condescending and small like experiences like that just like leave such a bad taste in your mouth and then at some point I was just really like angry and be like, I don't know, I'd question, I became really angry at every white person and that mm-hmm. took a while <laughs> to get over and I'm like, you know what, it's ignorance, like I can't let uh, my aggression ruin my day, I can't let ha- them have this power over me. Yeah. And then in the end, like, in the end, it's not like every encounter I have with a white person is only is going to be negative and I shouldn't expect for that. Yeah. Because I'm also robbing myself from having a meaningful interaction with with a person who's white. Mm-hmm. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanna go back to your comment about uh, your insecurity about your own accent mm-hmm. and you shared also that you you went through a phase where you wanted to get rid of the accent. Yeah, I did. Uh, freshman year Freshman year was hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, again, I was very self-conscious about my accent. I would hate it when someone would ask me to, like, repeat myself. Or if I introduce myself, I'm like, hey, I'm Shannon. And they're like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, it's Shannon. And I have to spell it out. And then they'd be like, you mean Shannon? I'm like, that's what, what I've been saying for the last... Yeah. Calling, like, having... Um, calling for delivery. That's like, I hate that. <laughs> I hate yeah. that. I'd rather like just go pick it up, um, cause it's yeah. Um, so I I considered like taking accent reduction classes, and so that I could get an American accent, and I ended up not taking those classes. But and looking back at it, I realized that it wasn't that I. I just wanted to sound more white because that's so that's the language of power or the language variation let's say like white so i don't know white 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 american accents i don't know american accents are also varied um it's not like i was interested in like uh learning 
um, African-American vernacular English or Ebonics, that didn't represent a language variation that would give me some form of influence or some form of power because I felt so downtrodden because of my identity. I was like, I'm, I'm everything that is, you're not, I'm everything that has no power. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to somehow give myself some form of influence. Yeah. Um, and I realized that, first of all, if you're coming to America, or if you're going to another place, there's nothing wrong with trying to assimilate yourself to like the cultural environment you're in, trying to see what people, your peers are interested in. Um, like my school is a very basketball uh, oriented school. So you end up, for you to have, uh, most conversations you'd have, would have something to do with basketball. So it would help if you knew something about basketball. So assimilation in that sense, that's fine, but you don't have to feel like you're deficient in yourself and that you have to to do something to make yourself complete. So that's like in hindsight, looking at that time in my life where I wanted to take accent reduction classes, I realized that I was feeling deficient in myself and I didn't think I could uh, navigate the space without having a white sounding American accent. And um, it was just an issue of like, me feeling deficient in myself and mm. needing something to make me feel uh, whole, yeah. which would never, it wouldn't do that even if I did it. But again, there's nothing wrong with like picking up an American accent. Yeah. It helps you navigate your way. Or it's just inevitable. For some people, it's inevitable yeah. that they pick up the accent because yeah. you're surrounded yeah. by Americans yeah. 24 seven. And you're and able yeah. to like you're able to pick up an accent. But yeah. if you if you don't, then don't like beat yourself up for it and just yeah yeah. yeah actually, I like that point of you know that you said you felt deficient and mm-hmm. it resonated so much with me because I thought back to my ex- my own experience um navigating through college and realizing that so many at so many points in my life like different experiences had served to dehumanize me as a black person or like to kind of take away my dignity as a black person in the sense that you know when you grow up in I think growing up in a former British colony it's like you asp- you're taught to aspire to everything that's not African you know, it's like, it's not mm-hmm. that you speak English, it's you have to speak English with a British accent, or mm-hmm. it's not that, you know, it, it, the whole conversation about colorism, around colorism and having, you know, having, wanting your skin tone or people, as you know, the assumption that lighter is more beautiful just because it's, you know, has close proximity to whiteness. And yeah, it it does make you feel deficient as a black person. It's like you need to be doing more or like Mm -hmm. you you need to, whatever it is you're doing needs to erase and silence Mm -hmm. the aspects about you that are very, very black. Mm. And I think I was able to articulate that frustration. I was able to conceptualize or think about that frustration through my Africana studies classes when I was in college. And yeah, they, you know, they brought out so much anger in me just because it was that realization that, wow, for so long I had engaged, I had partaken in this um, system that serves to hold you down as a black person. 
Um, and yeah, it's so when you talked about like being deficient, just feeling deficient because you didn't sound white, I immediately thought back to the fact that even wanting home to affirm your blackness is enough. That feeling would never be, um, what's the word, satiated mm -hmm. because home doesn't affirm your blackness is enough it's like mm. like i said from previous from previous the previous examples i've just mentioned it's you always start to aspire to everything that is not black yeah, yeah. and um at home uh like in african well let me speak as a kenyan yeah it's you don't realize how pervasive the concept of white supremacy is in back at home because there are no white people who are bothering us or whatever there are no yeah. white people so you don't see it so you don't think that race is an issue you you're yeah we are free economically are uh, we seemingly seemingly free let's say, let's say we are free <laughs> politically we've got our independence you know <laughs> but there's so many levels of decolonization that mm -hmm. needs to happen that's true um especially like so uh, culturally and um, mentally and how we see ourselves uh, that aspiration of light skin is better uh, back at light skin is better even in a country where majority but, of the population are dark skin yeah and you find billboards filled with light-skinned women like where are all these light-skinned women coming from <laughs> <laughs> yeah or like where's the representation where's the, you representation? Know, where's the diversity of beauty? there's nothing yeah there's nothing wrong being light-skinned or anything but have an accurate representation of what is on the ground. Yeah. What is on the ground is more dark-skinned women and men, and that should be the standard form of not, not, standard, not the standard form of beauty, but, but it needs to be appreciated, appreciated as much as any other, any other form, form of, of beauty. beauty. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and you don't realize how pervasive white supremacy is, even like in. Uh, in a predominantly like black yeah uh, space yeah it's, uh, yeah yeah it's interesting that we're talking about coming to the u.s and having that realization of like i'm black mm -hmm. but wow if you think back to you know just like you said or the mental yeah. um conditioning or indoctrination yeah. that we've undergone back home mm -hmm. to aspire to non-blackness everything that's not black you realize that it's you know this it's whole idea is yeah this whole idea is widespread the yeah. whole idea of black inferiority is widespread it's just you realize it more here because mm -hmm. of the, the close proximity of um the races yeah um shannon i want to you know go on to a more <laughs> lighter note okay and talk about how you coped or how you cope with you know like black no, not blackness but how you cope <laughs> blackness is great how you cope with you know those feelings of Wow, like you know, just grappling with those feelings of inferiority, those feelings of deficiency, um, of not being good enough, of not being smart enough, um, as ascribed to you by your society or the, the immediate surroundings. Like, how do you cope with it? And you know, yeah. Um, I just how I cope with pushing against the message that is shoved down my throat that because of my black skin i i am less human or i deserve less or um i am less i i i know how i combated that was consuming looking out for um positive representations yeah. of 
of black people so social media really helped me in terms of i would follow every instagram play page for black love dark skinned women i would african women everything that had positive representation of someone who looked like me i would consume that media without apology and as much and it actually helped me feel better and uh something else that also helped was like the whole natural hair movement and embracing that and seeing uh other black women embracing their natural hair and like you'd see a naturalist on this on the on the street and be like hey i see yeah, you okay sister <laughs> with your curls and yeah. exchanging like tips about shea butter and <laughs> Um, yeah, so consuming positive images about black people. Also reading helped me a lot. I consumed a lot of um, uh, authors who talk about the black experience in America and uh, and even books like Decolonization of the Mind by Mkuji Bathyongo. Uh, so anything that talks about the black experience, most, most of my reading happened to be about the black experience in America, but also uh, just the black experience yeah. and having someone articulate your thoughts and have confirming that you're not alone and you're not uh, crazy about thinking about you so much. Yeah. Having someone affirm that, you know what, this is an actual issue, you're not crazy, uh, you should feel angry. Yeah. And beyond that anger, there's a space where you can find joy in your blackness. And that's the best form of resistance is being proud and being um, having joy in your blackness and owning it, uh, owning it as much as you can. And there's some days that you feel maybe, I don't know, you feel not enough. Yeah. Um, and those days come and you, you do whatever you need to do to copy that but always reaffirming that black joy is my best form of resistance mm -hmm. and yeah. i will own my blackness and uh, and i will hold myself in the highest esteem because i'm a i'm a human being and i and i love my beautiful dark skin yeah i like yeah. that you said that because i'm a human being because often more often than not you feel that you know you're black first mm -hmm. before you're whatever it is else that they cut you've been categorized as but your your blackness definitely overshadows everything else about you whatever mm. um negative stereotype is attached to black black people or you know yeah it's that that's all of that you embody all of that first before there's the you know there's people take a chance on oh okay let me get to know Hadley as an individual it's no like this is what it means to be a black person and she's a black person hence mm -hmm. that's what she is um yeah um so i like what you said about black positivity and and consuming lots of black content black positive black content because you know we say this over and over again but the representation of black people has been not the best from time immemorial and that's because our stories are told for us and when someone else controls the narrative then they control what gets put out about um black people or any other narrative that they're controlling um yeah so shannon we're gonna wrap up uh this conversation i think it's been really insightful thank you for your 
candor and honesty and just talking about um you know your experience as a black person i think in conclusion i wanted this this episode to serve as or just you know a continuation of a series of the different triggers that we have when we come to the u.s um that affect our mental wellness it's you know it's that non-representation it's the negative stereotypes it's you know all of that and i think it's heightened because for the first time in our lives we're experiencing it it's like you've just moved here and that's this is the first time you're experiencing it yeah um yeah that's it for this thank you conversation for yeah thank you so much for for being on the podcast i loved being on the podcast yeah and i hope people enjoy this episode Yay. Yeah. <laughs>